are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. <laughs> Do you know what day it is? Yes, wait, wait, wait. Before you say it. Yes. I have a gift for you. Oh, what is it? You have a gift for me? What day is it? 265 and 266. We're 100 days from the finish line. Woo! It's that moment in the marathon where you think I, you never you never planned on finishing the marathon yeah but now you see the finish line and you recognize it's still really far away but i see it yes for a hundred days from completing the task of talking through the scriptures from genesis to revelation Ooh. all right all right well what's cool is the hundred, so we're a hundred days out, and we're at one of the most pivotal passages in the Old Testament. Yeah. I would say the most glorious. Mm-hmm. And if there is a passage to memorize ever, it would be uh, some of these passages in the book of Isaiah. Our Old Testament reading for today is Isaiah chapters 51, verse 17, through chapter 57, verse 13. All right, so what's going on in Isaiah, Matt? Woo! All right, what's <clears throat> not going on? What? It, right? Well, am we I, do get. Am a, I right? But we do get a break. What's not going on in Isaiah for at least a second? Not, not well, a actually, second. no. There's like one. It starts off because you're about to say law, right? I was about to say yeah, bad news. Yeah. Well, it starts off from seventeen, verse seventeen to twenty-three and fifty-one as like. Our last like close up of the law, bad news of mm-hmm. judgment on Israel. That's true. Uh, <clears throat> and basically saying, You have drunk the wrath of the Lord. You've tasted of the wrath of the Lord, which if you remember, that's the word the language Jesus uses in the garden about drinking the cup. Take this cup from me. It's oh, the cup of the Lord's yeah. wrath. And yeah, he does say <clears throat> in this cup is the cup of staggering, right? Mm-hmm. It's like this drunk drunkenness with the wrath of God. Yeah. And and we were putting together how God always brings his wrath through kings. Yes. And so Jesus as king taking the wrath of God mm-hmm. on himself, drinking the cup. But here Isaiah is saying the Lord will plead the case. So it flips, right? Mm-hmm. At the end of chapter 51, like he will console Israel. The Lord who pleads the cause of his people will take the cup of staggering. Yes. So like he is for saying, I mean, he's prophesying that uh, the cup of wrath will be swallowed, mm-hmm. will be drunk by this suffering servant. Yes. Yeah, so in 52, we have uh, a call to wake up. Yeah. Like the people of God, he's saying, wake up from your exile. I'm calling you back home. <clears throat> You're coming back. I'm loosing your bonds, and we get like the, the passage of how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, and the idea of the exile is over. Yes, and that's the John the Baptist, I mean, this is where, mm-hmm. um, I mean, even Paul uses this idea when he's talking about the um, armor of God, Yeah. put on the yeah. the feet shod with the peace of the gospel. Mm-hmm. It's like that's what it is. Like you're, 
we wear the shoes of the one who says, the war is over. Yes. That exile is over. Salvation has come. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a, a wonderful passage about, um, oh, the Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all yeah. nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Mm-hmm. Again, uh, Isaiah now is flipped to the coming of Jesus. Right. He's very, and it becomes much, we'll see how clear it gets, but um, that the Lord is inviting all nations, which goes back to the original idea and promise to Abraham mm-hmm. that you will bless all nations on earth. Yeah, it gets really clear in these passages I about mean, that. It's, I think <clears throat> that's why one of the reasons Jesus gets so frustrated with the leadership mm-hmm. is because God has never deviated from the plan. It's mm-hmm. not like an Old Testament plan, New Testament plan. It's always been it's the same plan. It's so clear. It's mm-hmm. like, Abraham, you're going to be the father of nations. You're mm-hmm. going to bring all, <clears throat> everybody from the ends of the earth to, Whoever will repent and come, come to the Lord. And, it, and uh, Isaiah is clearly saying that and keeping that idea. And so at the end of chapter 52, we actually get into the last servant song, which continues into 53. But this, this answers the question, though. So he says this, but mm-hmm. it's like, how? How in the world are an exiled, broken down, disobedient, divorced people yes. going to ever be the light of the world and people, why would anyone want to come to mm-hmm. our God? We've been defeated. And even if you're a true God, we didn't do it right. Mm-hmm. And that's what Isaiah is answering here. Right. He's saying, well, let me tell you, there me, is one coming. There's a servant who's coming who will be high and lifted up, <clears throat> which is also kind of ironic because Jesus was lifted up on a cross. Yeah. Uh, and so he shall sprinkle many nations, right? Yeah. Shut the mouths of kings. I mean, so, so there's like in that this again the idea that he was beaten and wounded beyond human semblance. Yes, uh, and that again his blood is sprinkling the nations. It's cleaning and cleansing all people. Yeah, <clears throat> fascinating. I I don't know. Should I just read? I mean, like chapter fifty three. I know it gets. That's like almost worth reading it yeah, all. Yeah, let's just do this. So 50, it starts in 52. Yeah. The highlights. But so he's marred beyond human appearance, semblance, mm-hmm. right? So he's going to be beaten, but he's going to be lifted up. But then in 53, who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Now it gets into Jesus. Yeah. It's like specifically, he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground which is like not a place that you would expect anything good to come from. Does anything good come from Nazareth? Exactly. He had no <clears throat> form or majesty that we should look at him. Now, it doesn't mean like Jesus was ugly. He had no beauty that we should desire him. Again, this is like he didn't have head and shoulders like Saul. Mm-hmm. He didn't come from the tribe of, you know, he comes from the tribe of David, but it's not, that, that looks like it's been dried up for 400 years. Yes. And it's barely hanging on. Mm-hmm. There's no beauty. It's not like he looks like, oh, this is going to be the guy. He was despised and rejected by men. Jesus is described here as a man of sorrows and acquainted mm-hmm. with grief, as one from whom men hide their face. Yes. Like, I identify with this when things aren't going well. And I'm like, I thought everything's supposed to go good for me. And you realize, oh, no, our Savior was acquainted with grief, mm-hmm. was acquainted with sorrow. People didn't necessarily want his life. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. And you think about the, the, res, the death. 
Like, yeah. save yourself. <clears throat> right. See, you can't even save yourself. And you, you're saying, God, you're God's son. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Okay, hold on. So, like, Jeez. reading this and having a better understanding of the Old Testament and the systems right. of worship that the Lord had set up earlier and the idea of, like, this is not a, <clears throat> a new idea. No, they're not going, what are you talking about? They're thinking it's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. Right. This is what we did to the sheep, the goats, and the bulls, is we would transfer our sins onto them and we would slaughter right. them. But now the difference is they're being transferred to a person, a ruler, a king. Yes. And he's taking it. And so that's the that's the dramatic shift here. It's not just that the substitution is is a new thing. It isn't. It's actually like God's very clearly like going, okay, the whole substitutional yeah. sacrificial system that I've set up has all been leading to this idea. I set it up for this very purpose, yes. the transfer of your transgression and iniquity. But we know the blood of sheep and bulls and goats mm-hmm. was not strong enough. Right. But human life. Then he goes on. That's why he does say, all we like sheep. Mm-hmm. So he is saying, He's... like, look, we should be the ones that die on that altar every time we sacrifice an animal. Yes. We know that's our death. Yes. But I've given you animals. Mm-hmm. Now I'm sending a servant shepherd, a leader, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Then if you continue, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. So think about like the suffering (laughs) servant king Mm -hmm. who has the right to open his mouth and say stop, takes the position of a lamb, Mm -hmm. the sacrificial lamb who doesn't and goes, which is to say he went willingly. Mm -hmm. It was not against his will. It was for this purpose. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off, out, off, out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. So, like, Jesus was considered a failure. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, what have you done? And they made him, they made his grave with the wicked. This gets so yeah. eerie. Yes, it's crazy. Because it's exactly what happened. They made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. So like he's being crucified <coughs> with two criminals. Yeah. Who two insurrectionists. Yes. And is buried in a rich man's tomb. Like crazy. It's um, amazing. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put he has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring, he shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I mean, that's just, Mm -hmm. that's the gospel. Right. I mean, Isaiah is speaking the gospel that we, you and I will be accounted righteous because of this work of Christ on the cross, Mm -hmm. because of his faithfulness, because of his willingness, because of his obedience and suffering for us we are healed and this is all old testament <clears throat> stuff i know it's this so is good. the hope that is held out so it's like how are people saved and mm-hmm. they're waiting for this guy to come yes and they're longing and you will not be ashamed for waiting 
Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. I mean, Isaiah is clearly speaking about Christ. And what's cool is like, okay, let's say Jesus Christ tries to fulfill these things on his own. Like, mm-hmm. what are the chances he could line up right. Right. the things that to do that? Like, you well, can't also, even line it up. You know what's fascinating is all the language, too, like reading it, realizing there is an implicit uh, idea of resurrection that yes. he will rise again because he will... Well, that's what's coming. After he dies, he'll, he'll still divide his portion among the many and divide the spoils with the strong. Like the idea that he has work and will be blessed after his death. Yeah. Like there is this idea of resurrection underneath it all too, which is awesome. Well, I mean, I would love to keep reading like 54 and 55. I know. Because, but basically 54 is this sacrifice opens the way for all to come become the mm-hmm. servants of the Lord, right? So mm-hmm. what the servant, Jesus Christ, is going to do is open up a way and an invitation, and unleashing the Holy Spirit that will draw people to come under the Lord that the people of God are rejecting. So like even the very people of Judah have rejected God, but this work, the work of this coming king, is going to be so amazing and so powerful and so life-giving over death that it'll draw people in their death, Gentiles, to come under this God, the reign of this king. uh, Yeah, the barren nations. Like, so it was really cool reading 54 and connecting it with what Paul was saying. I know. And it was in Galatians, right? Where he yeah. was talking oh, yeah. about Hagar and, and Sarah. Oh, Paul quotes <clears throat> this section. He's like quoting this. this. Yeah. It is, he's quoting 54 where it's the okay. sing, O, ba- o yes. barren one who did not bear. And this idea that because of the work of the suffering servant, the, the places that looked dead... Right. are going to come back to life and life is going to flourish among them and they are going to enlarge their tents and they're going to be blessed by the suffering servant because you are now, the, the death has been swallowed up. The children of the desolate one will be more mm-hmm. than the children of her who is married. And so he's saying like, yeah, the ones who are of promise, right, not of legal. Yes. And so um, all, <clears throat> again, it's the idea that all families of the earth shall be blessed Mm-hmm. Um, and I, again, it's like Lord saying, "Like, look, I was I chastised you in the moment, like I punched you for a moment, but my love is eternal. I'm turning back to you. I'm opening up my arms. I'm giving everything, even my son, for you. And for a brief moment, I deserted you, but with great compassion, I will gather you." Mm-hmm. And He's talking about Israel, but it's almost like Jesus takes that moment, yes, where because um, it's way worse than even the exile that they the the moment of desertion that Jesus walks through is infinitely worse than even being exiled into Babylon. Yeah. And then I love the idea of, because of this, all your children shall be taught by the Lord, and the great and great shall be the peace of your children. I know. I love that idea. Like, now because of the work of Christ, we can live in this uh, era of, like, learning from God himself. And thriving in it. You might, while you might, might want to memorize chapter 53, you, <clears throat> you continue through 54. And 55, I mean, just the promise that Isaiah holds out under the reign of this suffering servant, come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. 
Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. And it goes on, but the idea in 55 is this beautiful picture of like, seek the Lord and, and when you put yourself under his word, there's life. Mm-hmm. And when you reject his word, you're going to just be laboring for things that do not satisfy. Yeah. But, and, and this is brought back in Re- the book of Revelation, mm-hmm. like the end of all things. So it's interesting when, you, when we go through Revelation, <clears throat> I think we'll find a lot of these verses, well, I know we will, from Isaiah about the fulfillment of the reign, the full physical reign yes. of Christ, not just the spiritual beginning of his mm-hmm. reign that we are in now by his gift of the Holy Spirit. And then uh, we do get like very specific in chapter 5. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, uh, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel. And again, this idea of nations are going to come to you, and you're going to call out to them, and they'll answer because the Lord has saved them all. He's redeemed us all. It's a total reversal. Mm-hmm. Um, really cool. Yeah, at first I was like, is this talking about America? (laughs) No, it's not talking about America. (laughs) A nation, it says a nation. Uh, But it's the reverse. It's it's the position that God's people were always in, running to other nations Mm -hmm. to be saved and feeling ashamed. It's like, no, 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 all the other nations will now come to you. And then in 57... Oh, well, yeah, and yeah, that that thought is continued throughout 56. Yeah. Of very clearly, the foreigners will be saved. By the Lord. And so when Jesus is talking to the unclean people and he's announcing these things, everyone's shocked. Not because the Bible doesn't say it. They're shocked and upset because our own pride has Mm -hmm. blinded us to the truths, the very simple truths of God. So that it's shocking when the idea of serving, of suffering, of waiting, those things are shocking to us because we're just not, we don't have the ears or the eyes. And Mm -hmm. so the, the real prayer request is not God make my life perfect and easy it's give me ears and eyes to see the truth yeah and then I can rejoice in uh, in the sufferings that look a lot like the sufferings of Christ I can rejoice in your presence anyway it ends with uh, the leadership of Israel now it comes back so after all these beautiful chapters of what's coming yeah it comes back to the leadership, it actually is foreseeing what will happen mm-hmm. when Jesus comes. And so yeah. in chapter 57, it's like the leadership is going to totally miss Jesus. And not understand anything I've just said. The yes. fact that it's for everyone. The fact that we have to suffer, like this leader has to suffer and die and save us because no. we cannot save ourselves. That is all going to be lost on you. Yes. And you are just, you are going to rebel against God. Because you want it to be just you. You want to maintain mm-hmm. the power and the control and know that... You know, it's it's pretty amazing. And that's what kind of leads into 57. Again, is this idea of turning to idolatry and uh, sorcery to um, try to manipulate and control God so that they can have the power and the control over their people. And it and ends, Isaiah's like, but he who takes refuge in me, God, shall possess the land and shall inherit my holy mountain. Boom. Beautiful chapters. Thank you. And then what's cool is these ideas are going to, I mean, like almost seamlessly carry over into Paul's writings. I know. Every time. Let's go to our New Testament today. Our New Testament reading for today is Ephesians chapters 1 and 2. 
book. Ding 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 ding. Oh, that's that probably comes across really loud. I'm like hoping. Wake up. Wake up. Shake up. Put on your makeup. I was about to go there. Oh, the, was that the '90s? No, you weren't even born in the '90s. How? When were you born? Anyways, uh, <laughs> okay. Ephesians. Ephesians, a new book. My question for you is: yeah. Did Paul was Paul in prison? This isn't a prison epistle. No, I don't think so. This I don't is think just, he was in um, He's just writing this because yeah, it's it in, was later though. Like it was later in his ministry. Um, but he spent so much time in the Ephesus region, like three, three years. years or so. So now he's writing back. Uh, um, this is a trade center, right? Mm-hmm. It's a harbor on a major river. It's a free city. So, and then I also read that there was a thriving Jewish community in the city of Ephesus. Yeah, and uh, thriving temple worship of Artemis. And Artemis is the god of. Mm, I always have arrows, but I know that's not like I know that's her symbol. I don't know. I thought it it's was like war. war. I think it's a war. Yeah. Well, maybe one of our listeners will call in with that. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Live. <laughs> oh, I just got a text from somebody. It says, yeah, God of War. Okay. Okay. It doesn't matter. It's a, uh, but it's a, a thriving city. And so you got a lot of people from a lot of places coming in, trade city. Mm-hmm. And so you can already tell that, and this is what you have to do when you read Paul. Because Paul's going to be so censored on the gospel. Yeah. But this is Paul's whole, you got to know this. Paul is simply writing to maintain the gospel's purity. Mm-hmm. Like, we are under Christ. And so then his, um, the practical application is going to be kind of generally applied to them. So they're in a city where there's Jewish and Gentile believers. Yes. There's temple worship. So there's a lot of, those are the areas for confusion. So you know you're going to have confusion mm. of unity. You're going to have confusion of the unity to Christ, unity to one another. Um, and so he wants to make that very clear. Yeah, and since he spent so much time with them, yeah, he does kind of, like while the theme gets repeated pretty frequently within his letters, the language of this is a, a lot more theological yeah. and heady. But it's, I imagine it's because he spent three years with them, and yeah. he's like, I can use big boy words. Yeah, he can. And uh, I would say the first chapter or two are really grammatical run-on sentences. It's mm-hmm. like when you're really excited about something, you just keep talking and you keep adding. And then we, we saw the Mona Lisa, and then we saw this, and then right. we saw that. It's like, um, I guess I was just in the Louvre there in my imaginary. Yeah. Uh, How was it? It was amazing. And then you were there, and you were there. Uh But uh, so this is how he starts. His his normal, uh, I'm an apostle of Christ Jesus, grace to you, peace to you from God our Father. And then he gets right into, blessed be God the Father. And so the word for blessing is like the barach, kind of back, anyway, it's a Hebrew word, which literally means uh, offering a gift on bended knee. Like someone in the authority, I'm mm-hmm. giving you something on my bended knee. And so God is blessed to be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And he keeps going on. So this idea that God is give, has given us these gifts, these spiritual gifts on bended knee 
through offering up his son. Yes. In fact, I would I even see it as God himself on bended knee handing us his heart, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Yes. And he's saying, I'm blessing you. And that this blessing extends not only over your life on earth, but every spiritual. And you are blessed. You have the gift of my authority and my mm-hmm. power and my presence, even in the spiritual places, in the heavenly places. And then he says, because it's a big run-on sentence, that, um, and I, I was confused about this passage for many years, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, mm-hmm. that we should be holy and blind. And you can keep reading. And it's about this idea of predestined. Yeah. And I was like, God chose me? Yeah. Well, yes and no. Yes, yes no. he did. But no, what he's saying is, I've blessed you in that I chose Jesus Christ yeah. from the very foundation. Like from creation, the three of us are there creating. And in Christ, I chose Christ to be predestined. I chose Christ. I knew that he would save the world. Mm-hmm. That's why I set up this whole sacrificial mm-hmm. system. And now I've chosen you to be in Christ. And, okay, so the through reading this a little yeah. bit too, when you read this and you go, um, he predestined us, you immediately want to apply that word to like the individual. Yeah, because we're so okay. individualistic. And the word, though, is a very corporate word. It's like God chose the church. Yes. God chose Israel as his servants. And so does that apply to every individual Israelite? Yes and no. Right. But it applies, you wouldn't really care. Like, that's not what you would think. You would think, oh, like, as a nation, as a people, God chose them to get down to Jesus. And so as the church, God had chose and thought about his people and who's, what, what his people would look like. And he's chosen the church as uh, his vehicle or as his, as his blessed people. You do have to think almost in terms of uh, international politics. Yeah. So like when you have a problem with Germany, mm-hmm. it's really your government has a problem with Germany's Germany. government, the yeah. representatives of the whole country. Yeah. You do not. And that's the confusion in modern warfare, right? Mm-hmm. So basically innocent people got destroyed because their kings were evil or yeah. good or made bad right. deals. Now we're so individualistic. It's like, oh, you can't, you can't attack or hurt civilians and they're mm-hmm. maybe not because they're not you're just trying to hurt the the army or something the yeah. representatives of right. the people and uh, it's helpful to think in terms of that for this reason that christ is our representative right. so christ was chosen which is great it also means paul is saying like and because christ was chosen you are now in christ that mm-hmm. means you are chosen from the foundation of the world. Mm-hmm. and it shouldn't diminish uh, because in, it's in these passages you get the chosen frozen. Wait, the frozen chosen? Yeah, the frozen chosen. Where, uh, and we've walked through those days mm-hmm. where it's um, where you just really overemphasize the predestination. Mm-hmm. Does God choose us? Does he know? Yes, absolutely. Do we have a choice in it? Yes, absolutely. And that's what Paul's saying. Like, mm-hmm. You were chosen in Christ. Mm-hmm. I mean, Christ was chosen. And now you are in Christ, which means you were chosen because he represents you. Right. Well, does that mean I don't have a choice? No, you have a choice. Be in him today. Yeah. <laughs> How do I know I'm in him? Be baptized. Yeah. Remember that baptize, that baptism. Look at the adoption papers. Like, remember that Christ was, and that's why he's so excited, because look what he even uses that language. That it's because of Christ you're holy and blameless. Mm-hmm. It's because of the love he predestined us for adoption. Like we now are adopted and sons, he even says, like that idea that we're the sons of God. 
you right. got to understand, Christ is the Son of God. Now we're in Christ. So now we're the adopted children of God. It's only because you're in Christ. Yeah. And then he's lavished us. He goes on. I mean, if you read it in the light of this, like the way we're talking about it, it makes a lot more sense because he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery. What is that mystery? Oh, that he would... That God is going to unite everything, all peoples, all things, in heaven and on earth, through Christ. Boom. That's the mystery. That's the mystery. Jew, Gentile, uh, earth, heaven, all of it. And then he united. Get, and that's the mystery. And because that's, of the suffering servant. And that's what we proclaim. There's unity now between heaven and earth in mm-hmm. Christ Jesus. There's unity between man and God. Um, then he says, so in him we've obtained an inheritance. So therefore... According, uh, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things. Anyway, I'm just reading it now. I know. Because it's, <laughs> it's really so powerful. But like, therefore, we have this guarantee of the promised Holy Spirit. So you got to think of the Holy Spirit as a guarantee, a down payment of the new resurre- of of the, resurrection of all the things. The future inheritance, yeah. So our souls now have this insight. Our minds, mm-hmm. our spirits have been brought to life. And we know God because the Holy Spirit has been given to us. We are short of this thing. And he's going to fulfill it physically one day. So we're still waiting just as they were waiting in Isaiah 53. We're waiting for the fulfillment of Isaiah 53. That's what Paul is saying here. But it keeps getting better because now he breaks into a thanksgiving for that. Yes. And he's like, "Uh, I mean, it's just too much. Well, then he's like, he's thanking God for them and their faithfulness and He's, again, just being like, I love you guys. I'm for you guys. God's for you. And I think one of the big, one of the big problems that he's addressing in this letter is uh, a division between Jews and Gentiles because it's just always happening. Yeah. Because there's been so much uh, racial animosity. Animosity. Well, it- uh, and he's just reminding, like, because of Christ, like, remember this work of Christ, that he, because of him, we are all have access. We're all reunited to God through him. It doesn't matter who we are or where we've come from. And I just want to thank God for that and thank God for you, and I want you guys to remember that and focus on that. I'm also thinking exactly that, and and the temptation of every, I think, for every generation mm-hmm. of people has been, okay, man of God, tell me what to do. Yeah. Just tell me what to do. I want to be right with God. And so the temptation back then was, well, why wouldn't we go back to the Hebrew stuff? Why wouldn't we go back to the law? You want to do it right and just know mm-hmm. you're doing it right? Mm-hmm. Or do you want to have this subjective feeling of like, mm-hmm. but Paul, Paul isn't giving us enough. Paul's just right. saying, Trust Christ, trust the baptism, but mm-hmm. I, you don't do it. That's nothing to do, and that's the same challenge we have today. Is that everybody wants to know what do I do? How do I fix my marriage? How do I fix my job? How do mm-hmm. I fix this? How do I get more? Tell me what to do, or else you're just wasting my time. And the gospel is, Christ has made you, united you to God, right? And God is with you. And it's not about fixing your individual problem right now. Although I believe. God does have grace and he does walk with you and he is, I mean, it's amazing Mm -hmm. what he does, but the gospel is trust me 
And now the Holy Spirit is free to do things in your life. The Holy Spirit will do the doing. You do the hanging on to, the trusting. You trust. Which, again, that's what jumps, like, is his leaping platform into uh, chapter 2, where he's breaking down this idea of, hey, you can't do anything. It's so funny, dude. It just made me think of... um, I gave my wife a ride on the back of my motorcycle uh-huh. for the first time a couple weeks ago. Uh-huh. And I had to tell her, do not do anything. Like, don't lean. Because the one way you could screw it up on a motorcycle is like leaning the one, opposite yeah, way or yeah. doing something. And it was very hard for her. I was just like, because I said, she started overcompensating. I'm like, no, no, don't lean with me. You just sit and hang on to me. I'm doing the driving, you're doing the sitting. And you just hang on to me. Mm-hmm. That's it. But don't try to overthink this. Don't try to help out. In fact, it won't help. It'll mm-hmm. throw balance off. You just sitting there, I'm in control of the balance. Right. Don't worry about it. And she was freaked out. Right. Yeah. It's just a lot of, like, it's, there's some parallels to Christianity. Like, huh. but, well, I'm supposed to help. How, what's the point then? Well, no, because we're going somewhere together. Mm-hmm. We're riding on a motorcycle. You get to smell all the smells, see all the things. It's pretty fun. Yeah. It's pretty dangerous. Um, <laughs> and uh, don't do anything. Yeah. This is just hold on to my love handles. <laughs> hold on to Jesus' love handles. And, and so Paul has to address that issue here because it is too good to be true. Mm-hmm. I get to be an adopted child of God for what? Because I had some water sprinkled on me or I got dunked and I said... Yeah. I, I was saved by Jesus, and then I said, oh, now I believe in you because mm-hmm. you saved me? Mm-hmm. That's that whole predestinate. Like, Jesus did all the saving here. You recognized it, and as a result, you believe, mm-hmm. and you get all this stuff. Well, what do I have to do? Do I need to show? That's it. That's it. Okay. And that's what he's giving thanks for here, and he's praying that that this would be, like, fanned into more of a flame for you, that you might be given the spirit of wisdom in the knowledge of him, having your eyes enlightened, that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. I'm trying just not to read (laughs) these passages. All right. So chapter two, though, is getting into... By grace through faith. Look, you're dead. You can't do anything. No. What does dead mean? Uh... You cannot do anything. If I'm dead, what do you do for me? Do you, I guess you could talk to me and you could lift up my arm and watch it fall and be like, Adam, come back. You could scream at me. You could breathe on me. You could do all sorts, but I'm dead. Yes. So what can I do? Nothing. You can do nothing. I mean, the Bible says you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And so the question of what can I do? Nothing. You can't do anything. You, you can't even hang on yourself. to the love handles. You're like, we have to wrap you up in an old rug and, <laughs> and in the so trunk. He has to remind them, like, look, yeah. and us, God being rich in mercy because <laughs> of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. So he has By given grace us... you've been saved. He's like given us this gift. It is a gift. On bended knee, he has given us this gift that has brought us back to life that we are now able, at a minimum, to go, thank you. I, well, that's it. He brings you to life, and then you respond by saying, thanks, I, I love you. Yes. I mean, 
It's so hard not to read that. You just read some. I get to read some now. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. I like this idea, too, that we are his workmanship, Mm -hmm. created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And this goes back to... Christ was predestined before the beginning of the world to do all the good works so that he prepared every good work that is ever done. Mm-hmm. And we walk in the good works that Christ right. was predestined okay. and that good. he figured out. Get that, it? No, okay. So the, so it's not like some fortune telling like cool, like, oh God, God created some good work that I have to then figure out to walk work. into. No, no, no. Every no. good work is the work of Christ. Every good work is made possible through the work of Christ. He he's the one who Because outside done it. of that, yes. anything we do is not good. Right. Outside of Christ, everything we do is awful. Selfish, motivated, yeah. Like, but because of Christ, there are good works that can be done. And we and walk we, and in we get them. to walk into them and go, Thank you. And it's just like another gift. It's right. like another cool scenery on the motorcycle ride. That's why Oh, beautiful. Yeah. The painted mountains or whatever oh, you so did. Great. Oh, man. Out in New Mexico. What? It was in Las Vegas. I don't know. Nevada. It You're was right. Nevada. It was Nevada. I was following you. You were there. No, I wasn't. <laughs> yeah, you were. Yeah, I was. <laughs> in Death Valley. Wow. It was beautiful. Was that California? Uh, it was... That was California. Yeah, we went down into California. Yeah. Beautiful. But anyway... But now in Christ, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Yeah. For he himself is our peace. See, Paul is saying, you have peace with God, not because you've, made, you've done anything. It's simply because Christ has become the peace between God and man. It's the Isaiah 53 stuff. He is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Now, all the hostility and the Divisions. fact that, that you, yeah, he's, he's wiped away. So mm-hmm. that you once were not a people, you were alien to this. Mm-hmm. Now you've been given citizenship in Christ Jesus. And it doesn't matter if you were near or far away, because even the near people, right. the Israelites, were far. They've been brought near too. It's a whole new nation. It's a whole new thing under Christ and in Christ. And he brings up again the, I think it was Isaiah, who had the whole cor- uh, the cornerstone. Yes. And so he says, Christ Jesus is the cornerstone, and the whole new temple, which is the church, is built upon Christ. You are being built to be the dwelling place of God. We are the temple of God now. And not because, not like you and me. And and this is a big, and this is still a big, like, idea, because the temple at this point is still around. And people are still going to it, and kind of wrestling with, wait, should we still go to the temple? I'm not sure. And he's going, no. We don't need to do that anymore because guess what? You guys are the temple now. And the temple was being rebuilt by the Romans. Yeah. It was like all oh, con- yeah, yeah. convoluted and crazy. Yeah. And they have all these other temples have been built to Artemis and such gods. Mm-hmm. And he's like, look, you together because you're in Christ. Mm-hmm. Well. All right. That was good. <laughs> rest in Christ today. That was a, that was a lot. Today I'll be reading Psalm 110, another psalm of David, and a uh, basically a prophecy about Jesus, which is great. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. 
the Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power in holy garments. From the womb of the morning, the dew of your youth will be yours. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings on the day of his wrath. He will execute judgment among the nations, filling them with corpses. He will shatter chiefs over the wide earth. He will drink from the brook by the way. Therefore, he will lift up his head. Boom. You've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We will talk to you next time.